0: Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Simply Amazing. Uh, I'm Tim Ryder from Mets With me tonight, excuse me, with me tonight is uh, our good friend Jacob Resnick, also from Mets Marized, Mets Miners, also from Quinnipiac. He's uh, covering the baseball team over there these days and uh, I'm following along. I'm going to try and get acclimated with the team. <laughs> How's it going, bud?
1: Doing well. Good to be back. Um, yeah, it, it's, uh, it's, Nice that it's that time of the year again. College baseball gets going a little bit before the majors, so tons of uh, tons of baseball to uh, to get involved with, and uh, it's nice to see uh, Mets players back on the field in those bright blue and orange jerseys at uh, at Clover Field, Clover Park, Clover Field. One of those two. Um, but uh, yeah, looking forward to talking
0: with you tonight. Same here, man. Yeah, I' very excited to see everybody out in full force. I guess we're going to be, uh, this is going to be posting on Monday morning and we're going to have, uh, full, full team workouts coming on Monday. I guess later Monday morning. So th- this should be exciting. We have a lot of news coming out of, uh, Port St. Lucie. We had Commissioner Rob Manfred speaking, uh, at Braves training camp today down near Orlando. Uh, certainly, um, I'm not sure if he made things worse today with his statements. That seems to be a, a running theme with this whole uh, scandal and the aftermath um you know i guess we got a little bit of news on boston they should have the results of that investigation out by the end of next week he says which is just i guess going to be about a month out from opening day so that should be uh interesting um apparently they had knowledge of the buzzers and um I don't know if you caught the the press conference, Jacob, but he, he got a little snarky at one point with uh, Jared Diamond, who's a friend of the pod, um, who I guess uncovered the whole code breaker uh, aspect of this story a few, uh, last week, I should say. And he, uh, he kind of mockingly congratulated Jared on discovering this or reporting on it and just really just left such a, personally as a fan, just a bad taste in my mouth. Um, did you have any any chance to really catch up on that today, Jacob?
1: Yeah, I did. Um, I, I did see the presser, and you know, I I don't want to say Rob Manfred is a bad person. It just seems like this entire Astros saga in the last few months for his office has just been so unbelievably overbearing. Um, you know, like think of the the most difficult situation you could possibly have to handle at your day job. Um and then multiply that by a hundred, and that's basically what Rob Manfred is, is been dealing with every day for um, you know, three, maybe four months. Um, so it seemed like he was just tired of answering these questions and, and having to think about everything going on. I I think he's would like to see everyone kind of move on, but of course we're not gonna move on because there are still questions we have and there are questions that were asked um this afternoon and um you know, it was kind of unfortunate to see him, uh, kind of turn against the media. Like you mentioned, uh, Jared Diamond. Uh, he, he said congratulations in a, in a sarcastic, uh, tone. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, on one hand, it's nice to see him kind of show his face and not just be the guy issuing the, the report. Um, on the other hand, um, it's kind of, uh, conflicting about what we're, um, what we're learning that's new as opposed to, um, him just kind of PR or sidestepping the issue. Um, I think there were some things that he answered in a, in a perfectly acceptable manner. Um, like you mentioned, we did learn that, um, they were aware of the, uh, the, the, the issue surrounding potential use of buzzers. Um, but, uh, yeah, it just seems like baseball and uh, its public relations officials kind of need to take a step back and, and analyze kind of how they're approaching this whole issue. Um, I think the best thing that that can and will happen for Major League Baseball is for games to be, uh, you know, get going and starting to be played uh, over the next week. Um, I think next Friday is uh, the first games the Mets play on Saturday. Um, so they just kind of need for um, the regular season, or spring training, and then the season to to start getting into its uh, its normal swing, and um, I think everything will probably calm down after that.
0: Right, because I guess with teams reporting to camp now, um, I, even since we've last recorded, which was only Thursday last Thursday night, uh, you had the whole Carlos Correa Bellinger saga play out. Uh, Jake Marisnik and J.D. Davis, both on the Mets and formerly with the Astros, came out and kind of said their piece. Um, I thought that was very cool. Marisnik it, it seemed like it was heartfelt. It seemed like uh, Gagas getting over this within the Mets clubhouse might be more than just a simple talk. It might, you know, it, it's it seems like it's a it might be an underlying issue. And that's, you know, you multiply that, multiply that kind of sentiment by 30. And, uh, you know, we can only hope by opening day, things are going to be sorted out. But then once teams start facing each other, it kind of starts all over again and more information comes out. And it's really, it's going to be, um it's going to be an ongoing thing. And whether, uh you know, like you said, only baseball can save us now. And, uh, and that starts with Pete Alonzo, Pete Alonzo, uh, I think gave us some imagery that hopefully will last us right up until the end of October. Uh he told us he wants to be drunk on a parade float. Um and I think that's a goal for any Mets fan. <laughs> don't we all? Don't we all? <laughs> don't don't we all want to be drunk on a parade float? But boy, like the optimism coming out of this clubhouse and coming out of Port St. Lucie right now. Um you know, one I believe it's justified, but uh boy, just that 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 level of confidence and you look at guys like, you know, Strowman, who bring it to the table and and, the, and even like the common collected confidence that DeGrom brings, it's just, it's almost like it's reverberating through the clubhouse and you're really starting to see, um, especially young guys, come out and say, hey, these are our goals. This is where we want to be. And, uh, you know, Pete's kind of moving right into that role as a real leader and he's only going into his second season, which is, it makes it even that more impressive and, uh, you know, if he's gonna be the spokesperson for this clubhouse and this team and he's gonna be the one who's saying, Hey, we're gonna be hammered on a parade float, I'm all for it. Like, are you um I know I <laughs> I spoke with Matthew Branstein in the last episode about this, but are are you kind of feeling the optimism that's coming out of this clubhouse right now?
1: <sighs> it's it's the question we ask at this time every year. Um I'm feeling I'm feeling the optimism, um, in terms of the talent that's here. Um, but I'm more kind of expecting, you know, everything, not everything, but expecting things to go wrong at some point. And it will, you know, guys will get hurt. Um, guys will underperform. It's just natural. Um, it seems like every year we're more and more frustrated when that does happen. Um, as if we weren't prepared for it. This year, I feel like I'm kind of prepared for it. Um, but at this point last year, we didn't know what Pete Alonzo was. Um, but we, we had a hope of what he could be and he, you know, met that and exceeded that. Um, we didn't know if Jeff McNeil was going to be what he was down the stretch in 2018 for a full season. He was and more. Um, we didn't know if, uh, Jacob DeGrom could repeat exactly what he did in, uh, in 2018 again, and he did. Um, so talent wise, this team is, is worth being optimistic about. Um, and like you said, it's great to see guys like Alonzo um, and Strowman taking a, a leadership role and, and proclaiming that they want to win a World Series. Um, and, and acknowledging that last season didn't go the way they wanted. Um, and, and that the, the, the end goal is is to win the world series. And as far as Alonzo goes, you know, I don't have any data to back this up, but I would venture to say that he'll end up becoming one of the youngest captains in in baseball history. Um, You know, might be one of the only guys to to be a captain uh, before he hits free agency. So, um, you know, I I love the leadership role that he's taken. Um, And, uh, you know, like I've always said, we're just going to have to see what happens. but talent-wise, lack of, I I won't say there's no ifs, but there are are fewer ifs, I feel like, in years past, Uh, um, you know, especially at, like, Alonzo's position and um, and McNeil's role. We kind of know what that's going to be like. Um, So I'm excited. I'm excited for them to just start playing again. Um, If everything goes right, this is a very good ball club. Um, but like I said, we, we'll we'll just have to see.
0: Now, I think you brought up a really great point. I guess <laughs> what what you can expect over the course of a long season, a 162 game season, you know, your injuries, your slumps, what have you. Um, I, I feel like this roster is kind of better protected towards that, at least on, on the on a depth kind of level. I mean, sure, the, the roster is really going to miss a Brandon Nimmo or a, or a Michael Conforto or, you know, God forbid, a, an even more important cog like a Jacob DeGrom or a Pete Alonzo. But um, it, it seems like, you know, in guys like J.D. Davis and Tom Smith and even Matt Adams, who's coming in on a, on a minor league deal with just an invite, um, you know, if if these guys can stand out and show that they can prove to be, you know, viable cogs on the bench, and can field multiple positions. Like I guess last season, they they had your Carlos Gomez's and your and your Davises and uh you know your and Aaron Altair. But I guess it feels like they're more more protected against this. I mean, and and a little we talked about this plenty of times. And a little more depth could always do wonders for this roster right now. I think they. Certainly Absolutely. fell. They certainly fell short of um, of really, you know, ensuring themselves against uh, against all the ifs. But um, you got to like who's here right now, and you kind of. I'm certainly feeling that confidence, and um, the more you pour over the numbers, and the more you, you kind of try to gauge who's going to be in what role and uh, where they might fit. Like, um, we saw Jed Lowry come into camp on Sunday. With a, you know, a, a giant brace on his leg. It looked like he was a robot of some sort. Um, and and kind of just, I don't know if you saw the video of him moving around, but um, he looked, he was moving gingerly, but he looked somewhat agile. Um, could he play at a major league level right now? Oh, that's not enough to call from a 10-second a clip, but just to see him moving around was kind of a, a positive thing. Adding him into the mix would be huge as doubtful as that really still does seem and we haven't had any any inclination besides what we saw today to uh to expect more but um I know you know Cespedes is about to participate in a full team workout on on Monday uh which is probably beyond anywhere that we we could have ever expected he'll be uh Luis Guillorme is in camp and he sounds like he's really um thriving like <laughs> it seems like there's Healthy competition around the roster, it feels like there's going to be uh, uh, a, a number of fallback options in case things go awry. And, and that's always kind of a, a good problem for a good team to have. <laughs> you know how, you know what I meant there. I'm not sure if it came out right, but um, uh, what are you expecting? I mean, I, I know we've talked about what are we expecting from these guys in, in Lowry and Cespedes in the past, but, you know, Guys are showing up now. Cespedes is much further along than we could have uh, expected. Do you feel like you know things are kind of shaking the Mets' way?
1: I, I'll cautiously agree with you um, because that's just how I am. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: You're always the end to my Yang, Jacob.
1: You know that's that's why it works. That's why it works. Um, I will say if we could just go back to Lowry for a second, and I'm sure we were gonna we were gonna get there anyway. Um, oh yeah, you know after he he took those ground balls in the field, um, and he spoke to the media, and he was very uh, hesitant to um, reveal anything about his status other than um, he's just taking it day by day, looking forward to helping the team. You know the 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 common rhetoric. Um,
0: oh, he actively skated around those questions.
1: Yeah, and you know it. It's it was troubling, not troubling, but it was um, kind of worrisome in a way to to hear that because, you know, we saw him taking ground balls. OK, he's he's good, but he's he's wearing a, a huge knee brace. Um, I wish I remembered who said it on Twitter, but someone made the joke that he has a, a huge uh, unfinished tattoo on his uh, his leg that he's, he's trying to hide. Was, I found that pretty funny.
0: That was um, Freddie Benson. And that was a there, great. There tweet. you
1: go. You go. <laughs> um, and then uh, um, So he's, he's Dancing around these questions and he's You know refusing to to say what What's actually ailing him um, So until You know either Lowry himself Or uh, Brody Van Wagenen or, or Luis Rojas Comes out and, and says explicitly um, Jed Lowry Is healthy and we expect him to be on the opening Day roster um, I can't really Project him to be there um, so we'll, we'll kind of keep tabs on that situation to see how it unfolds because if he's not on the opening day roster, and even if he is, you can't really expect much considering he, you know, had uh single digit plate appearances, uh, in the entirety of, of 2019. Um, but you would expect someone like Luis Guillaume to step into his role. Um, but if you were projecting Guillerme and Lowry to be on the roster together to begin with. Um, then who fills uh, Guillaume's spot, you know, that's a question. And and there's really not a lot of uh, depth uh, on the 40-man roster. I think Andres Jimenez is the only um, uh, 40-man guy who's who's not projected to, or in terms of infielders, not projected to crack the opening day roster. And he's uh, far from ready. So you wonder if a guy like Eduardo Nunez, who they brought in, or Max Moroff, um, you know, veteran guys or, or even Matt Adams, if they want to go with another first base type. Um, so you said healthy competition. I definitely think, um, most of this roster is set in stone, except for those last couple pieces on the bench. Um, and it'll be really interesting to see if Lowry's not hundred percent and ready to go from the start of the season, kind of how, um, you know, that, that, uh, that role on the bench develops over, over the course of, of camp.
0: Oh sure, and I, I spoke about it for for over the weekend, at least regarding Guillorme. Um, and this is before <laughs> Larry strolled into camp with that with that uh, bionic leg. Um, you know, this is a guy who it, it, I can't even say he finally got a chance at the end of last year because he only got like 47 plate appearances from August 5th on. Most of them were in late 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 inning replacements. He only made I think six starts in the, in the in the field uh, over that span. But, uh, I mean, he slashed 282 with a, oh, that's an 840-something. Yeah, low 840 on the nose. 840 on the nose. Uh, OPS. And, you know, again, it's a small sample size, but this guy's got a sterling glove. He's got, like, something 14-point-something UZR by 150 uh, over his career, and that's combined in all three infield positions that he plays. Um, I really feel like he fits that mold that, this team is kind of going for lately? uh Perfectly. He's versatile. He, he can hit. He's not going to bring a lot of power. I mean, his first major league home run was that, that game-tying homer last year, and that was a big one, but I don't think we can expect that type of production from him. Uh, I think he had <laughs> under, 100, uh, under 100 extra base hits over the course of his minor league career, which is something like 600 games. <laughs> like He's not going to bring a slugging percentage to the table, but he really does bring that contact aspect, uh, kind of put it where they ain't, and uh, move guys along, whatever he has to do. And he's a scrappy player. I think he fits into that role perfectly, especially with the extra roster spot. Um, I, you know, I'd hate to see them take advantage of his last year of options and kind of throw him back and forth all season because I think right. that kind of hurt him last year. He started the year uh, with, with the he started the season on the opening day roster and went back and forth four times before the middle of July. And when he finally stuck and um, he got really more comfortable with major league pitching, he turned into, um, we kind of saw him develop into a more, a more confident major league hitter. And with a guy with his potential to kind of put the ball in play, that that's a thing. That's a huge development. And he could be a, a, a vital cog in my opinion.
1: Yeah, and you, you hit it on that. I was gonna bring up the uh, the option situation. Um, you know, he's certainly the guy that has the potential to fill that type of role and be useful on a on a what you hope is a good Mets team going forward. Um, but if he doesn't show you that this season, um then you're kinda of stuck uh next year in twenty twenty one. You know, you you think like, oh, the twenty twenty season hasn't even started. But you know, teams always have to be thinking um down the line. Um so it's kind of a now or never type of thing, kind of the same situation as Tomas Nito was in last year. Um, you really needed him to to step up as as um, someone you felt confident with as as being in the back backup catcher long term, or or at least for m- multiple seasons going forward. Now that he's out of options, um, if he did show that, I don't, you know, who's to say? Um, you could you could really go either way on that, but um, you know, it's kind of. For these fringe guys, you know Corey Oswalt, uh, Chris Flexen, they're kind of in the same situation on the pitching side. Um, it's kind of a uh, a make it or break it type of year for them.
0: Now, yeah, you, you have guys like you were saying, you have guys like Flexen, you have guys like Oswalt who are kind of you know uh, flying by the seat of their pants this year. But the Mets have a number of spring training invitees um, on minor league deals or and just with, from within the organization that they're kind of getting a good look at this year. Um, I had a couple of pitchers listed, but I'm sure you can give us a, a much broader look at the group. Um, I guess I'll let you go through your, I guess, what, what what you have there. And, uh, I know I have questions on just a couple of guys. I'll throw them out as as we go through them.
1: Yeah. Um, so not a huge group of, of non-roster guys this year compared to, to in the past, um, but in terms of internal guys, uh, Kevin Smith and Riley Gillum, we've talked about them in the past. Um, this, is, is, this is the first Major League camp for both of them. Um, and those are guys who are probably in line to, to help the Major League team this year. Um, and it'll be interesting because these are, are guys who can kind of cement the top of the uh, you know, the, the upper levels of the system as being uh, stronger than, than people have said. Um, so uh, not like a, a spring training performance is going to make or break a guy's candidacy for the major leagues in either way, especially in terms of prospects like them. Um, but just guys that, that I'm interested in, in seeing how they look against uh, a major league batters. Um, and then they brought in a couple guys uh, externally. Um, Pedro Peano was an interesting guy. He, uh, I believe is a New York native, but grew up in, uh, the Dominican. Um, and pitched with the Rangers in the major leagues last year. Um, stats weren't great on the surface, but, uh, has a really nice curveball, throws, uh, in, the, in the low to mid nineties. Um, he's the guy that I had just found interesting. Um, only, you know, 25 years old, so he's not like, uh, a super old guy. Um, that's that's pretty much it for pitchers. Um, and yeah, the hitters are are not I, really a, an an inspiring group. But uh, I was yeah, gonna go ask
0: you. Oh, I'm sorry. I was gonna ask you about Francisco Rios. I guess uh-huh. he spent some time in the Blue Jays organization. Uh, he bounced around Mexico, it looks like. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I, I'm looking through his numbers here, and nothing really jumps out. Uh do you have any take or any read on this guy? Like what what he's bringing to the table? Yeah, I
1: don't um don't know much. Haven't uh, haven't seen much in terms of uh you know, publicity around him coming into the organization. I know uh I think I I had heard about the signing originally because of some uh you know local Mexican article mm-hmm. um but but he's Which of uh, course you, know, you
0: always keep up on all the local Mexican publications. Yeah.
1: Like. I, I'm scouring the, like, <laughs> the, you know, the, uh, Mexico dailies, but, um, he's, he's only 24 years old. So who knows? Maybe there's some untapped, uh, thing there. And he's, uh, you know, he's pitched at triple a, um, or he did this past year in the Toronto system and then in the, in the Mexican league. So, um, you know, he has experience against, uh, higher levels of competition and, uh, we'll kind of see if he's able to establish himself a- as an option. I mean, he, he was, he was uh, pretty solid in the Mexican league in, in 19 games. came out of the bullpen. He's been a starter in the past, but he came out of the bullpen in Mexico. So, uh, yeah, it's just interesting to see new guys kind of come into the organization, um, and, uh, potentially establish themselves as a, as a, a depth option.
0: I think for sure I, I, I'm I'm kind of excited to see, um, I guess gradually learn if we get the chance to see what they saw in him because, I mean, coming out of Mexico at least with a with numbers like this where it's like I said nothing really jumps out at you. He had one really good year in single a ball, you know, a number of years ago, but uh, you know, you have to kind of I'm kind of curious to see wh- why he's uh why he got that invite. I'm sure there has yeah, to be and- a reason.
1: So. And you really never know with these guys, you know, the, the, the guys they bring in or, or sometimes they, they, sign guys, don't even invite them to major league camp. And, and sometimes they, uh, develop into a guy that, that becomes a, a major piece for them. And Drew Gagno was brought in two years ago and there was absolutely zero, you know, he was not a, a high profile, even by minor league signing standards, a uh, high profile signing. Um And he, you know, he wasn't great in the major leagues, but he ended up being a guy that they kept on the 40-man roster over an off season and um, pitched in a, a good amount of games for them. So, uh, you know, it's always good to keep an eye on, on everyone because you never know who who it's going to be.
0: Yeah. It's spring training, man. This is the time of the year. Um, <laughs> who, who do you got on the offensive side? Um, Yeah. Like I said, not, not much in terms
1: of interesting guys. I mean, you know, we'll see what, what Eduardo Nunez and, and Matt Adams uh, You know what they have left in the tank um, Obviously You know Adams is, is still hitting Home runs at the major league level At a, at a solid rate like he always has um, And you know Andres Jimenez is, is, is the prospect Name uh, that, that's In camp and uh, we've seen him The last couple of years in major league spring training And he's a guy that uh You know has, has always been a, a Solid middle infielder and in, in is. Still developing and you know people have kind of moved often um i don't know if i've made the the comparison to uh to wilmer flores in the past with with jimenez um not as a player but just in terms of um guys who were uh you know had had a lot of uh, uh press around them at a very young age um so by the time they kind of make it to the upper levels it feels like you've heard about them for so long and um, because of that, usually when you hear about a prospect for a long time, you tend to forget about him because there's a reason it's taken that long. But in terms of, you know, Jimenez's case, it's just been, um, de- you know, normal development through the minor leagues. And, uh, I, I still think he's, he's, um, shaping up to be a solid, uh, middle infield option. And, um, you know, that, that starts with showing the team in spring training that you can, uh, handle the, the
0: environment for sure. Well, he does it from the other side of the plate, but Jimenez absolutely crushes left handed pitching. My goodness. <laughs> yeah. I'm just looking
1: he's, at the uh, splits. Yeah. He's, um, he had a really up and down season, and I think, uh, some of that had to do with health. Um, yeah, but, oh yeah. but when, uh, when he's at 100 percent, I mean, we saw it in the Arizona Fall League. He's, uh, he's a very skilled hitter, um, and, you know, scouts have, have talked about his power for a long time. Is that something that could could come and and it hasn't yet. But if if it is still coming, then uh, you know that that'll be a, definitely a welcome addition to his game. And, and we've talked about his his glove in the past and um, yeah. led all Mets my leaguers and stolen bases last year. So he he definitely has a lot of solid tools.
0: Um, any any thoughts on Drew Smith? I know he's he's working out with the team this spring. He's coming back from surgery, I believe. He's he's on track to 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 you know come start workouts healthy I believe. Um you see him making an impact this year?
1: Yeah, I mean I, I saw him making an impact last year and then oh, he, yeah. unfor- he unfortunately went down um with with the Tommy Don surgery that that he had in March and it's uh you know coming up on a full year so he'll probably get off to a a, a quiet start, you know, he'll start the year in, in Syracuse and um maybe won't won't pitch that often but um throws very hard um you know when he was uh in the major leagues his fastball was was up there in the uh you know mid to high 90s consistently um i think he averaged around something like 96 miles an hour um and he shows a good too so um you know really that's that's kind of all you need as a as a middle reliever is, is two pitches to get you through a quick inning and um i think uh the Mets would certainly like to, to squeeze something out of their, uh, you know, twenty twenty seventeen 2017, uh, off deals. Um, so it, it will be nice if, uh, Smith is able to establish himself as, as an option. Probably not this year. I mean, maybe towards the end of the year, but, um, you know, I'm not really expecting much until he goes into a, a full off season of, of good health.
0: Oh, definitely. Um, I guess, you know, you hope for the best cause he showed so much promise, but, uh, I know. I just heard some reports that I guess he's he's down there. He's working out. You you got to hope that he's on the right track, and you know, hopefully, he gets that chance. Uh, I'd love to see him kind of contribute for sure. But uh, hey, other news coming out of Flushing this week, whether it's to be believed or not, it is to be determined. I uh, <laughs> any any thoughts on uh, on a Rod and his potential interest in purchasing the Mets? Is this uh, is this hot air or what are we thinking, Jake?
1: I have absolutely no idea. And when, <laughs> I, saw that, when I saw that story, when I saw that news break, I um I, I was with a few of my uh Met fan friends up here at Quinnipiac, and uh we we all broke out into laughter. But I think maybe perhaps in a good way. I mean, uh, I I don't know about you, but I've I've enjoyed the the uh, resurgence of A. Rod as a media personality over the last uh, couple of years, and um, you know, obviously we know he was a, a Mets fan growing up, and, and um, perhaps wanted to to come to the team, you know, during the height of his career in the early two thousands. Um, so I don't, I don't know if he has the money to do it. Um, so it, it might, you know, get into a, a group investment situation like with uh, Derek Jeter and the Marlins. Um, but, uh, it, it seems all indications are that, uh, this is just a, uh, proverbial kicking of the tires.
0: Yeah, you have to think so. I mean, uh, if, you know, I know Jeter got a, a real sweetheart deal to become the, uh, kind of the face of the franchise. I think it was just a minimum investment. If A-Rod could pull something like that off, great. I think if he goes to his wife, Jennifer Lopez, and asks her to invest, I think she's going to, uh. Uh, show her roots. She's still Jenny from the block, after all. I think she's <laughs> gonna give us that that X, the uh, X for the Bronx, and say, Nah, I don't think so. But uh, we shall see. Uh, you know, something's got to happen. I think the more time that goes on, the, the more leverage the Wilpons kind of lose. And uh, yeah, we'll kind of see how this shakes out. Just, I guess, to throw this out there, I don't believe a word of the of the A report, but we shall see. Yeah. <laughs> um. Jacob, you got anything you're looking for out of the first few weeks of camp? Any, any, I guess, we spoke about the last couple of bench spots. Um, You'd have to think there's probably a couple of bullpen spots open, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, it seems like um, everything, like most of the spots are set. It maybe just comes down to, um, one, if Robert Gazelman's spot is safe, it's possible that it isn't um he's kind of been up and down and and even though he was on the team for the entirety of, of last season and has been for um the last couple of years but um you know if they feel like they have a better option then um you know he he might be uh, uh sent to triple a to start the season and then the the final spot seems like it's either um you know one of Matt Porcello or Waka and and um it seems like that is going to be a competition of who um, which two earns the earn the final two spots in the rotation and which is is sent to to do bullpen work. Um, seems like Matt probably has the leg up given that he's the incumbent. Um, and Porcello is the more established major leaguer between him and Waka. Um, obviously Waka's had success in the past, but Porcello's um, done it for longer. Former Cy Young, yada yada. Um, and there are you know those incentives in, in Walker's contract that uh, uh, benefit him even if he's in the bullpen so um, I think that that and the uh, and the bench is really all that that has to be decided and, and uh, it'll be interesting to see um, how hot of a, con- a competition those, those spots are.
0: yeah, same here I'm also I'm I guess I'm kind of curious to see where JD Davis. Kind of fits into everything. Um, I know we spoke a little bit about his uh, outs above average, kind of showing a different, telling a different story than his um, defensive run saved and UZR did at third base last year. It actually showed him to be a positive, um, a positive player. He, he added value uh, at third base. Um, I guess more so towards the center of the diamond, but what have you? I mean, if he can provide any sort of depth at a corner outfield spot, third base. I'd love to see him maybe get a shake at first. I mean, again, if you're going to be having all these interchangeable parts, even on the roster itself, um, you know, if you have to go a, a series with a, with an eight-man bullpen, eight man bullpen or what have you, uh, and a Dom Smith has to go down and having a J.D. Davis able to, to slide right into a, a potential backup role, whatever the case may be, I think it really, you know, it, it says a lot to the depth of the roster to be able to slide that sort of bat in there. And now you make sure you ain't the Cespedes in there, and you know, are you going to have room for a JD Davis in left field? Uh, it, it's going to be, um, it, it's certainly going to be uh, interesting to watch it all play out. And I, I really think that with the amount of, I guess, information and ability to interpret and kind of transfer that information being. I guess pretty much throughout the entire coaching staff and even up to Brian Schneider as the new quality control coach, um, all this just, all this new information and, and, a, and a, a more streamlined way to digest it, I think it's really going to bode well for whether it be lineups, whether it be who's going to be around, uh, matchups coming up in future series, whatever the case may be, I think it's going to be a real positive for this roster, and they're going to get the most out of uh out of everybody from top to bottom, even those, you know, five four or five guys that might be back and forth all season to uh to plug holes or whatever from Syracuse, you know, I think this is just gonna be a much more focused uh effort to cut out the, the, the nonsensical moves. Make moves that are smart. You know, I can't even point to specific situations, just kinda, you know, do things Smarter, and we saw a, (laughs) you know, and I couldn't, I can't even put it any more, uh, any more astute. Like, you Mm -hmm. know, we we saw this team kind of bungle a lot of silly roster moves, uh, in game decisions, and I'm not even, that's, I'm not even just a knock on Callaway, who I don't know if you saw his PTSD comment earlier in the week, that was hysterical. I got that. I kind of like Mickey Callaway more for that, but that's neither, it's neither here nor there. I really, I laughed out loud at it. I thought it was hysterical, but, um, yeah, I'm looking you know what, look, you know what I said,
1: you know, what oh, I'm, I'm sorry, said, go ahead. Yeah. You know what I said to the, uh, the Callaway comment? I said, no, Mickey, we, we are the ones with,
0: with the pieces." <laughs> oh, <laughs> very true also. But I, I, I'm just, I guess I'm looking forward to, um, a, a more focused Baseball operations from this organization this year. Like I don't know if you can even say, maybe not from the front office down, but from the coaching staff down. I really, really feel like everyone's going to be on the same page. I feel like Rojas brings that to the table. I bring. I feel like uh, Acardo and Hefner are going to bring that to the table. Like it's been a while since I've been so uh, pleased with kind of everything this team has to offer at this point. Like, sure, there could be more, and there always could be more, but you kind of have to go with what you have. And if this is what they have, I'm very happy with
1: it. Yeah, for sure. And I think it definitely helps. Um, you know, last year the, the expectations were, in hindsight, unrealistically high, um, just with everything that went wrong, you know, coming in with. Um, Cano expected to be The the leader the offensive Leader on the team that obviously wasn't The case and shouldn't be the case going into this Season Um but Having you know him and He's coming into his second season Stroman Is coming into his his first Full season but his second year being around the team I, And you know Diaz is another Guy and just everyone being comfortable Around the organization and and With the The, uh, the baseball operations people there and um, seems like they, they kind of know, see how, how can I put this? Everyone kind of knows what is expected, and it's not like, okay, we are, this team as constructed is definitely going to be the best team in the National League because they're not. And it kind of felt like that was the case last year, um, where everyone was kind of, you know, puffing out their chests, you know, Brody especially, um, but, you know, now they, they know all they can do is just go out and play baseball. Um, and they're a talented team. And, uh, you know, if if, everyone, if everyone's on the same page all year, and like you said, Luis Rojas seems like the guy that, to keep them on that page, then um, things are going to work out. And uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll revisit this conversation two weeks into April and see if I feel the same way. But as of right now, that's
0: uh, that, that's the take. Yeah, well, remember it's only February, and we're uh, I'm over the moon. So, yeah, you come check me in the first second week of April. We'll see where I'm at. <laughs> um, now, oh, I had one more good one. Oh, yeah, I'm sure we we spoke about the Pecota projections that have the Mets winning the East with the second highest uh, playoff probability in the in the NL. Um, MLB.com also has the Mets winning the East. They don't have them winning 90 games, but they have them winning the NL East. I, you know, projections are great. Projections are cool. Predictions are fun. Um, I, I, I would hate to see hype get find its way into this clubhouse and kind of deter anyone's focus. But again, I think it goes back to the coaching staff and the leadership down there. I, I'm really hoping that this is just kind of it's going to fuel the fire maybe give these guys a little extra confidence and you know we've seen what a little extra confidence can do even on a, on a singular level and on a team level um it, it could you know it could take a a 500 ball club to a 91 ball club if they try if they really extend that kind of energy and bring it across you know a good chunk or portion of the season you know this roster has the potential for that in my opinion especially the pitching staff. I don't know if you heard any reports of Porcello coming out of uh, spring training. I think Rojas was saying that uh, he looked crisp. He he was really, um, ah, there was a word that he used. He he was, uh, I I, tip of my tongue, I wish I could remember it, Uh, executing. He was executing. And I love to hear that because that's kind of what Porcello is all about. He's a control guy. He's he's not going to blow you away, but, boy, he's going to pick you apart. And um, I, I think if we see that pitcher, and he doesn't have to be a sub, you know a sub 3.5 ERA guy if he brings us low fours in that back end of the rotation that's cool i just think he had to make up to do that and uh even to echo what you were saying about walker as just with that i just really i you know optimism abound you cannot turn it off <laughs> yeah never no and and i'll i'll
1: give you credit there's certainly re- you know reason to be optimistic about uh the way the team is currently constructed and and I certainly agree with you on, on Porcello. Um, you know, he's definitely an upgrade over, uh, Jason Vargas as, as the number five starter. Um, if, if, ben oh my goodness, is,
0: excuse me. I thought I was muted. I just coughed right into the mic. My, oh, my all
1: good, man. It's, uh, <laughs> flu, it's flu season. Uh, you're good. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, like, like I keep saying, it, it's going to be interesting and and I'm just, Looking forward to the games and uh, and uh, seeing how everything plays itself out. And before you know it, it'll be opening day, and we uh, won't
0: have to ask these hypothetical questions anymore. Oh my goodness, I cannot wait. Uh, Jacob, you got anything coming out on your end this week?
1: Um, not specifically, but the uh, the Mets Minors countdown is still going on, so I hope everyone's uh, keeping close close watch on that. Um, we've got our. Our team is, is hard at work uh, pumping out those, those pieces. So, um, you know, shout
0: out shout out to everyone who's been working on that. Yeah, the Mets Miners crew. I've been keeping along. It's it's exciting. I'm learning about guys that I haven't been so familiar with, learning new things about guys I was familiar with. Yeah, it's good stuff. Um, I know this week I'm going to be uh, continuing the NL East preview. I have the Braves, I believe, coming out either Monday night or Tuesday morning. But uh, after the Braves, we'll have the uh, Nationals, and I'm going to do a Mets preview at the end of that, so just keep an eye out for that. Every day we have new news coming out of Port St. Lucie, so, you know, Mets Marais is going to uh, keep you informed there. Uh, Jacob, Quinnipiac, uh, you guys have a busy schedule this week. Your Things kind of break up at the beginning of the year, right?
1: Yeah, it's, um, you know, they play every, on the weekends. Uh, yeah. The early going, so uh, and, you know, with the Northeast weather being such, they uh they don't they don't actually play at home until the end of March. So, um, they're they're kind of a nomadic team um over over the next couple months. But uh, hopefully hopefully we have a uh, a repeat conference championship coming coming back home uh,
0: this year. So we'll uh, awesome. we'll
1: see what happens with that team.
0: Yeah, road warriors. That's always fun. For <laughs> sure. All right, man. Well, a- again, every time you're on, man, it's an absolute blast. Thank you for coming on again. We'll we'll do this again very soon. Uh, sure. every, everybody, you know where to find us. Uh, anywhere you listen to podcasts, just search for Simply Amazing. Subscribe, review, rate, all those fun things. And uh, we're going to be back later in the week. My buddy Steven Josiah from Twitter is going to be joining us. So uh, I'm sure we'll have some fun draft talk. I'm sure we're going to have some uh, way out there, fun uh, Mets talk. Uh, yeah, really looking forward to it. Jacob, again, thank you so much for coming on, buddy. Thanks, man. All right. We'll talk to you guys next time. Let's go Mets.